Good morning, church. It is good to be with you guys. I got to say, before we jump into the word this morning, I am praising God, not only for the technology that we have to do what we're doing, but for the amazing team at Grace Fellowship that is pulling all of this off. You guys are doing an amazing job. So uh, if you could uh, just uh, thank God for our tech team and our band and all that they are doing to make this happen. Uh, we're doing the very best we can to do this on a Sunday morning with proper social distancing and keeping our hands clean and doing all that kind of stuff. But these guys are coming out to serve in this way, and what an incredible blessing it is. Hey, I was thinking uh, this week about uh, my childhood, and I was remembering back to uh, when I was about, I don't know, seven years old, six years old, something like that. Um, I have an older brother and sister who are, they were teenagers when I was born. And so um, I, I sort of grew up looking up to them. And, and I have this brother, Mike, who uh, was just my idol when I was a kid growing up. I just thought he could do no wrong. And, and I remember one of the things we used to do is every now and then when he was in college, when he would be uh, at home for the summer or living at home, uh, every now and then what we would do is he would let uh, me come up into his room at night on a, like a Saturday night to watch a scary movie. And so his, <laughs> this was 1971, 1972. His bedroom was upstairs in our house. It was the only room upstairs. And uh, his bedroom consisted of this furnishing. It was a waterbed mattress on the floor and a dresser and a little black and white TV with rabbit ears sitting on top of the dresser, and a black light with cool posters on the wall. And it was just the coolest place for me to hang out. And sometimes they would do scary movies, those old black and white movies, you know, like Wolfman and Dracula and Frankenstein and that kind of stuff. And we would get to sometimes go up on a Saturday night and just stay up late and watch a scary movie with Mike. But here was the problem. When it got time for the movie to be over and I was completely terrified and I just knew that the Wolfman was living under my bed, it would be time for me then to go through a dark house, <clears throat> down the stairs and into my room for bed. And I would try to do it, but there was just no way I could get up enough courage until finally my brother would have to come with me. He would have to lead the way down the stairs, through the hallway, and get me to my room safe because I, I knew that, you know, a wolfman might be tough, but he was not going to be any match for my big brother. So um, I was thinking about that. I, I would just like look at this guy as he was walking away and go, that's the bravest person I've ever seen. What kind of man is this? who could face such a terror like that and still do it uh, with such courage. And uh, that, I was thinking about that because of the story that we looked at a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning where Jesus uh, calms the storm. And if you didn't see that, go back a couple of weeks and you can rewatch our, our uh, live stream on that. But Jesus calms the storm and when he's finished, everybody looks at him and goes, what kind of man is this? Fear is pretty natural for us. Fear is pretty common for us. Uh, in fact, uh, to, so there's, a, there's an aspect of fear that is God-given. It keeps us safe. It's fear that causes us to run from a burning building. It's fear that keeps us from running across a crowded highway. And so there is an aspect of fear that is good. But when fear begins to control us, that's when we run into trouble. And as I was thinking about that this week, I was in Matthew chapter 6. So if, you're, uh, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to the Sermon on the Mount. Go to Matthew chapter 6. 
And we're going to look together at this uh, beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. This is Jesus preaching to the crowd. He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field. How they grow, they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus jumps right out and goes, hey, I don't care what's going on. Do not worry. Which is totally easy for him to say, isn't it? He's in control of everything. I don't worry about things I'm in control of. I worry about the things that I can't control, right? And Jesus, who's in control of everything, says, don't worry. And I go, well, yeah, of course, you don't have to worry. But what about the rest of us? He's telling us to stop worrying. Remember last week, James chapter 1. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. I mean, that is just the opposite of letting fear and worry overwhelm you. Uh, we also looked last week at Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 and in that verse God commands us not once but twice he commands us in that one verse to uh, rejoice at all times. Let's go back and look at that again. Take your Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 4 and we'll be there the rest of this time. Go to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to remind you what it says in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. This is a key to the whole thing, you guys. The Lord is near. And when it says the Lord is near, don't be thinking, oh yeah, that's like it's saying, you know, the Lord's going to come back any day and it's been 2,000 years and he hasn't come back yet. So any day means something different to him. The Lord is near. Literally, the literal translation is the Lord is at hand. He's right here. The Lord is close enough for you to touch with your hand. He's close enough for you to hold his hand. The Lord is near. And that's not just positive thinking. This joy that is available to us as Christians is available because of one simple fact. The Lord is near. Where does a seven-year-old boy get the courage to walk down the hallway to his bedroom when undoubtedly the wolfman is behind the counter and Dracula is in the closet. How do you get that kind of courage? You can remember that your big brother is with you and some silly monster is no match for him. It wasn't enough for me to just, it wasn't enough for him to just tell me that it was safe. He tried that, believe me. 
but it didn't work. He had to actually take me down the stairs. Listen, guys, God doesn't send us into trials. He takes us into trials. And it makes all the difference in the world that we understand that. So as we walk through this challenging season in our lives, how do we maintain our joy? Okay, we've made it clear for three weeks now. God wants us to be joyful even during this time and still we're struggling. So the how-to question comes up. How do we maintain our joy? How do we do it? Is this something we can do practically or is this just pie in the sky? Well, that's a good question and I am glad you asked because look with me at verses six and seven. Here's what God says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He, he breaks it down and gives us practical teaching. First thing, prayer. We know what that is. Prayer is just talking to God. Prayer is just remembering he is at hand. The Lord is near. I can talk to him. I can share with him what's going on. I can seek wisdom from him. I can lay my burdens at his feet. That's prayer. He may be allowing you to go through some hard stuff, but he is not asking you to go through it alone. The Lord is near. So prayer needs to be a massive part of our life, especially when we're facing the temptation to give in to fear and anxiety. Second thing he says, supplication with prayer and supplication. You go, what is supplication? Supplication is crying out to God. Supplication is recognizing your smallness in the midst of the bigness of your trial and crying out to God for help. And so as we cry out to him, he hears our cry, the scripture tells us. Prayer, supplication, and then the third thing, thanksgiving. Let me ask you this. What are you thankful for? Have you thought much about that lately? I know we've been thinking a lot about what we're afraid of, what we're concerned about, what we're, what we're worried about. What are you thankful for? It's a great question. We asked that question of uh, some of the children of Grace Fellowship this week, and they gave us some awesome answers. Watch this. What are you thankful for? How cool is that? 
Uh, it seems like uh, dogs are right at the top of the list. That is pretty cool. Everybody's thankful for their dog, which, by the way, don't forget, dog is God spelled backwards, and so I'm sure there's a spiritual power in that. Um, they're thankful for their dogs. Did you, did you notice how every one of those kids, when they were talking about what they were thankful for, were smiling? Did you notice that when you were watching them and listening to them talk about what they were thankful for, that you were smiling? And if you're sitting there going, I wasn't smiling, then you know what? You're too far gone. I don't know what we're going to do for you. Um, thankfulness has a way of chasing away frowns. It's a powerful thing. That's why God tells us to be thankful right after he commands us to keep rejoicing no matter what our circumstances are and to not be anxious. This is not some pie-in-the-sky wishful thinking philosophy. This is practical instruction. One of my most favorite passages in the whole scripture is right here in Philippians 4. I keep recommending that you study it because it's here in Philippians 4 that he gives us practical teaching. Pray, supplicate, give thanks. If you don't want to give in to fear and anxiety and discouragement and doubt, if you don't want to uh, fall below uh, the, the waterline, if you want to live above your circumstances, and when you face every new trial that comes, here's how you do it. Remember that God is near. You can remember that God is near. The Lord is at hand. And if God is not near to you, if you're not experiencing the nearness of God, let me just say in all seriousness, it's not him who walked away. He, he tells us in his word, he'll never leave us or forsake us. God is still with you. And if you've been walking away from God in your life, if you've been distancing yourself from him, if you've not been drawing near to him, I want to tell you in James chapter 4, it tells us to draw near to God and promises us that when we do that, he will draw near to us. It's as simple as that. We need to begin to draw near to God and watch as he draws near to us. So how are you doing at drawing near to God? It's a crazy season of life. How are you doing with all of the things that are going on? Are you drawn near to God? Pray. Talk to God about what you're going through. Remember the Lord is in hand and pray. You just have to get in the habit of realizing that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he's with you. And if he's with you, you need to be sharing your heart with him. And so pray. Acknowledge his presence. Learn to uh, find your rest in him. Learn to lean on him. And you do that in prayer. Supplicate, again, cry out to him. Admit your dependence upon him. Ask him to get involved in the solution to the things that are worrying you and threatening you. And then you guys, give thanks. Give thanks. Let me make this very practical for you. I rarely do this, but here's a homework assignment, okay? Are you listening? Homework assignment. Parents, pay attention. Your kids are getting a homework assignment right now. Kids, pay attention. Your parents are getting a homework assignment right now. I want you to sign off on it and show that they did it. Here's your homework. Start a list of things, like with a pen and a paper, or, or maybe on your, on your iPad or on your phone, Start a list of things that you're thankful for. Just start listing them. Just start with whatever comes to your mind first. I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my food. I'm thankful for my home. Just begin to uh, write down things that you're thankful for. Write down maybe 
10 or 20 things in that first day and keep that list. And then actually thank God for those things. You're going to be amazed to see that thanking God is not possible at the same time as worrying. You can't do them together. And so as you begin to give thanks for the things, I'm not talking about making things up, you guys. I'm talking about things that God is doing, things that God has already done, the characteristics of who God is. Thank him. Make thankfulness a part of your life. So you start this list and every day you get the list out and go over it again, thanking God for those things and add some more. And as three, four, five, 10, 20 days goes by, it's going to get harder and harder. You're going to be thanking him for the marshmallows in your cereal. You're going to be thanking him for the comfort of your couch. You're going to be thanking him that your Netflix has not gone out yet. Uh, whatever it is, just keep thanking him. Make Thanksgiving the top of your list. And as you begin to thank God on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, you're going to see that your whole perspective is going to change. Your whole attitude is going to change. Worry does not have power over thankfulness. It's impossible for uh, anxiety and thanksgiving to coexist. This is very, very practical stuff. And verse 7 promises that if we will do these things, then the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts and our minds. I love that Paul adds in there that the peace of God surpasses all comprehension. It's just an amazing thing. You can't explain it. No one can get it if they don't know it through experience. But notice what it says. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's for those of us who are in Christ. It's for those of us who know him. You see, God's not only near, he's one with us if we've submitted our life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so for those of us who are in Christ, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. Peace is readily available to all who will turn to God. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the God of Peace. His peace surpasses understanding. But let me tell you something. We talked about this a little bit last week. Peace and joy come wrapped in the same package. Peace and joy are Siamese twins. They come together. And here's one thing they both have in common. You can't understand them. There's no way to explain them. You don't know how to define them but you know when you've got them. And by the way, you also know when you don't. And so let me just give a word of encouragement to those of you who are struggling to find peace, struggling to find joy. You only find those things in Jesus. So I want to encourage you to seek them in him. And it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to just call out to him, just call on his name. Just, just confess that you're a sinner who can't save yourself and you need Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. Submit your life to him. You're basically getting out of the driver's seat of the, of the car of your life and getting into the passenger seat and letting him drive. And if you're willing to do that, he offers you a peace that surpasses understanding. So start your list today. Add to it every day a little bit more about what you're thankful for 
and start expressing that thanks to God. Oh, here's one more thing. Since we're all online so much, maybe start posting on social media one thing a day that you're truly thankful for. Spread this joy to other people. Help them see that perspective. Ask God to meet your needs and overcome your fears. Acknowledge that he's right here with you through it all. You remember the disciples in the boat in the middle of that storm? They were in utter panic until they woke up Jesus. And he calms the storm. And then what does he say to them? Why are you so afraid? And when you're reading it, you want to laugh. You're like, Jesus, what a great sense of humor. That's a great joke. Why are you so afraid? I mean, the waves are breaking over the boat. What do you mean, why am I so afraid? But you know what? Jesus is dead serious. Why are you so afraid? You see, to the God of the universe, the one who spoke the greatest galaxy into existence and the one who manages, even controls the smallest microscopic virus, to the God of the universe, fear makes no sense. And it makes no sense for us to be in fear when we're with him. It must look to God when I'm afraid the way I looked to my older brother when I was afraid to just walk down a hall back to my bedroom. But you know what? He doesn't mock you in that fear. He helps you in that fear. He doesn't send you into darkness and difficulty and challenge. What did David say in Psalm 23? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yes, it's a valley, yes, there's shadows, yes, it has death, but I'm not walking into it alone. I walk through it, and that means I come out of it. And guess what? I do not fear, for you are with me. You're with me. See, the seven-year-old me, all I needed was to trust in my older brother and I could get through the fear. What you need today is to trust in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He controls it all. So we can rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Father, we just want to thank you so much that we don't have to go looking for you, but that you have gone looking for us, found us in the midst of our sin, and that you promise to be with us every moment of every day if we will just put our trust in you. God, I pray for each person who's struggling right now because circumstances that we can't control feel overwhelming to us, but God, remind us they're not overwhelming to you. And may you receive all the glory as we live a life of thankfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.